3: Unlock big savings during the Menards bag sale. Add style and security with Schlag lock sets. Menards carries over 50 styles of interior and exterior lock sets. And with Schlag's wide selection of smart locks and keyless entry locks, there's no more hiding keys under the doormat or losing track of copies. Save big money on Schlag lock sets. Plus, save 15% when you fit it in the bag. Now through January 14th, available in-store only at Menards. Save big money at Menards. You're digging the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with L.D., Will the Thrill, and T.J. Two.
4: Hey, guys. Welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musician. I am your host, L.D., along with me for this really, really long ride is T.J. Two, the deuce.
5: Wait a minute. Damn it. There we go. Oh, that oh. was a good
4: one. What are you drinking?
5: I had to fight with that one a little bit. Um, I'm having Victory Sour Monkey.
4: I like the name. Oh, the sour Sours.
5: triple. It's uh, 9.5%. So this uh, I probably, things might get interesting.
4: It's, it's <laughs> 11 o'clock right now where you are and uh, you've had a long day. And I'm drinking, and a,
5: and I'm drinking a delightful, uh, oh, that's good. Hey, honey,
4: Uh, do you want to make a, a small wager? I had uh, a
5: sour monkey before.
4: I'm going to say that my brother's going to fall asleep before page 10. Oh, I'm going to say page 12.
1: All like, right. oh, we got an over-under going. I'm going to take the outside, yeah.
4: Yeah. Okay. So uh, if I win, you have to do the dishes. I was going to do the dishes anyway, so. I win. Yay. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I'm here too. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and um, my my guy that constantly is taking vanilla nut taps Mr. Will the Thrill? Uh, Why well, you got to bring that up?
5: <laughs> Wait a minute, that that's constantly taking vanilla nut sack?
4: taps, yeah, nut it, taps. It, it, it came is from a, an SNL skit. It's an SNL skit with Casey Affleck, where he's just like, "I love the new vanilla nut taps," and he just smacks the guy that's standing beside him in the balls.
1: It is hilarious. If you've ever been to a Dunkin' Donuts in the city of Boston,
4: it's very appropriate. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have uh, some really sad things to talk about. First of all, we had a, a country singer who passed away. TJ, would you like to helm that one for us?
5: Uh, yeah, Jeff Carson, who was, um, had some hits in the 90s. I, I didn't realize until I read a little obituary story on him that he was a really well thought of songwriter before he, he became a recording artist on his own right. Uh, I think like Reba and Tracy Lawrence and like really big names in the nineties uh, cut some of the songs. And then the, the, the hit of his, I really remember was one called the car. Um, but then uh, from what I read late nineties, early two thousands, he gave up his um, career in country music to become a police officer.
4: Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. that's Kind of awesome.
5: Yeah. It's kind of awesome. And then uh, I guess he and he really was very old. I think he was 58. I think I saw. So that, that was, that was sad.
4: Yeah. And the other person that we had passed was a gospel singer and songwriter LaShun Pace, who apparently had one of the most recognizable voices in the gospel music arena. She had been placed on kidney dialysis for like five years and she was waiting for a kidney. And unfortunately it did not, um, it didn't come soon enough. So, uh, but she was actually born in Atlanta, Georgia, and that seems to be where a lot of amazing singers hail from. So, I know that uh, the, the gospel music industry has lost a, a wonderful soul and she will be missed. I'm actually going to head this last one over to Mr. Will the Thrill uh, yes. to to take the lead on for this one.
1: Yeah, this was a sad one as we know now that just a few days ago, it, I think it's within the week actually, we lost Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters. Um, he was only 50 years old, obviously spent, I think it was 25 years with the Foo Fighters, which is yep. astounding. And, utterly
5: astounding. And and uh, played with Alanis Morissette before that. Mm-hmm. And his first real job in music was playing for a favorite of mine and yours, Will, that being Sass Jordan. Was he with Sass? Oh, wow. Yeah. What when, was he was the name? 20, when he was about 21 years old. What was no the name kidding.
4: of the, the group? Was it the Shovel? Something Shovel? Oh, he, Chevy Metal. Yeah,
5: Chevy,
4: Chevy Metal. Which is a
1: great band name.
4: Um, Yeah, uh, we have uh, actually, funny enough, living in Los Angeles, we have a lot of friends who knew him personally. And I've heard nothing but incredible things about him. He just seemed like he was all around a good person. And uh, for those who don't know, he just did a film with the Foo Fighters called Studio 666. And for those who are interested, it is streaming on Prime for you to rent. And I do believe it is like 1999. But if you're still a little bit wary about going to the theaters, but really want to, you know, show your support, you can do that. And a uh, funny story about this, guys, I actually had tickets to the the Foo Fighters coming up in Los Angeles if oh, I wanted wow. to go and I actually turned my friend down because I was like, look, I'm not going to I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, oh, no, I love the Foo Fighters. I definitely respected them, but I knew that there was somebody out there that would have loved the ticket more than me. Yeah, and so I passed on it and took the new kids on the block tickets.
5: Ah, okay. Well, mm-hmm. and the thing the thing is, you, you first of all, he was a, a terrific drummer, but like like you said, the 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 overwhelming sentiment seems to be what a sweet guy he was, and the tributes show that he also was, I guess, sort of multi generational because I Elton John, Brian May. Um, oh, Roger Hughie
4: Taylor Hughie. actually put out a statement about him. Yeah, Hughie Lewis
5: in the News, the Heartbreakers, all of them did it. And then a lot of his contemporaries did it. But then people that are uh, considerably younger than him, like Wolfgang Van Halen, his band Mammoth, um, covered uh, My Hero at a concert the next day, I-, I think after Taylor passed away. And Miley Cyrus and some other people that would you know, be uh, a little younger than him. So that that's a pretty wide swath age-wise.
4: Yeah, Trump, Actually, Trump, let loved- me... Let me, let me find the picture really quick. Um, there's a theater in Los Angeles and I can't quite read what it read, what theater it is. It looks like the low key theater, but I don't know if that's the theater, but the it Largo? says maybe I don't know, but it says goodbye, Taylor Hawkins. There goes my hero. And that was with the, the Largo. Yeah. That was what the marquee read. So yeah. Um, no, it's got an R like the really, yeah. The, the, the logo is an R. Hmm. Oh, oh. Oh, it's the Roxy. Oh, the Roxy. Okay, but it's just like super faded. Like it's it looks almost like it's like struck out. Does that even exist anymore? The Roxy? I thought it closed. I, I guess not. Huh. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, uh, Roger Taylor made a statement because um, Taylor considered Roger his mentor. Like he he loved Queen. He worshipped them. There's a fantastic. There's a fantastic little uh not listicle but like uh what do you call those just like little news bites pop culture news bites of a little piece about taylor from either looper or grunge and i'll try to post that on our socials also but, uh, is a huge loss huge
5: loss it's a huge and very sad and as a journalist just let me say that whoever came up with the term listicle should have to subsist on a diet of doo-doo you know whoever did was word. like, This I is great. I detest, Get it? I detest Get listicles, it? and I, I hate the word the word itself even more.
4: I did not realize that you were so triggered by this. I'm so sorry.
5: Yes. Yeah. I, they should they should have to subsist until they're until they're until the to, till the uh, end of time on giant buckets of doodoo.
4: <laughs> all right. Fair enough. So. But
5: all right. R.I.P. Taylor Hawkins. Seriously, yeah. that's, that's you, terrible yeah. loss.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, before we dig into this episode, 633,452 of Michael Jackson, where we talk about the time he flossed his teeth improperly and cut his gum. Okay. It's a very big day for him. He actually said, ow. So (laughs) we would like to take a moment to spotlight our sponsor for this episode, which is, of course, BetterHelp. Mr. Hickey, would you like to take it away?
1: I sure would because I think. Oh we can my all... God,
4: with the, the voice. <laughs>
5: okay. Um... that, like. <laughs> I Absolutely, can... I sure would. And now here's the latest from Kenny G. Shwetty <laughs>
1: balls.
2: Hi. Uh...
1: My best
5: delicious dish.
1: <laughs> Go on. <laughs> oh, okay. As we're talking about this, I think everyone can agree that we all need a little help sometimes, and that's where better help can make a huge difference. No matter where we are in life, we can feel detached. We can feel like we're spending hours working on ourselves and our careers. But at the end of the day, what are we doing to take care of our mental health? Well, I know because I was one of those people. And for me, it was a long time coming. Like a lot of people, I was working very hard on other aspects of my life and things just didn't add up. So the equation wasn't balancing. I needed somebody to talk to. And that's where better help came in. What I realized is that I was having... Issues that I just needed to talk through. And BetterHelp provided me with someone that I could do that with. BetterHelp allows you to get specific help you need for whatever is eating away at you. They ask you targeted questions to set you up with a licensed therapist within. 24 hours. That's right, folks. You can talk to a licensed professional within 24 hours through BetterHelp, and that's the best part. You can talk about big topics, small topics, really anything you want. BetterHelp will really set you up with a counselor to meet your needs, and it gives you the simple use and comfort of having therapy in your own home. It's affordable, and it's so much easier than driving to, say, an office or trying to find parking in LA. It's a total nightmare. So BetterHelp was a real game changer for me. It's been a game changer for millions of others, and I believe it can be a game changer in your life as well. And that's why we here at Rock and Roll Heaven have a special offer for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com rockheaven. That's betterhelp, h com slash rockheaven to get 10% off your first month. I'd like to thank BetterHelp for everything they've done for me, for sponsoring this podcast, and for helping a lot of people out as well. Better help, better life.
4: Excellent. Thank you right. so much for that. That was very informative.
5: It was. You're listening to the mellow sounds of the rain. Now, Michael
4: Bolton. <laughs> Where's my cocktails? Yes. This long distance my, my uh, dedication.
5: Hey, hey um, My, uh, my um, Sour Monkey Sour Triple 9.5% uh, ABV uh, Beer from Victory it's already gone. This is oh, going to go wild. Well. Ah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I should yep. get, I should
1: get on gonna, this because this is 15 pages of of day, folks. <laughs> I'm just nursing my cherry porter over here. <laughs> oh, kind of this one, fun, this so one's cool. by Flynn the Crow. So,
4: crows. All right. All right. So, to catch you up on last week, we had maybe one of the craziest non slap nuts episodes on this podcast. That doesn't involve, you know, massive drug binges or setting hotel rooms on fire or filling people's purses full of feces. We have talked about all of this.
5: Or, uh, or smoking a crack that you pooped out of your own butt. Accurate. Like, like, oh, like Rick James did.
4: Speaking of Rick James, the, the, there was a resurgence in the the Rick James skit because of what happened on Sunday night.
5: Slap! Slap!
4: You hey, guys don't know Blake, what
5: happened. Blake, before, before you get into Michael Jackson and uh, and, and whatnot, I, I, I just want to mention something. We, if anybody follows our social media stuff, we threw out a couple of weeks ago. Hey, here are a list of things that we're considering for future Slapnuts episodes. Slapnuts episodes about once a month. We do something you know, silly and off-topic and not pertaining to one artist or whatever, like we normally do. And I said, hey, but here's a, a list of things I've, I've, we've put together. Which ones would you like to see us do? Trying to get a little listener feedback. One of the things I, that I came up with and put on there was favorite award show moment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, 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 and, I, and anybody can go back and look. I did so before Sunday happened.
4: Yes. Uh, yeah, you did. I, I was can, thinking I like can tell you that.
5: soy bomb or...
4: Oh, i'll let you
5: finish or whatever blue tang is for the children all that kind of that that's the kind of things <laughs> i was thinking of
4: nathaniel hornblower taking the stage in
1: lederhosen right no
4: don't 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 spill all the secrets because that's still on the table this this right. subject is still on the table but i just and wanted, wanted to we'll...
5: note that i mean that that i that i thought of that and put it on a list before sunday happened did yeah you, so... did you create a listicle <laughs> I will come out there, and whip your ass.
4: <laughs> listicle, Listicle, Listicle. I want to see my brother. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Stupid it was, it was, uh, listicle. it was a, uh, that, that, that was a, that Who was ever a moment.
0: Whoever
5: thought of that can, can, can kiss my dick-ticle.
4: Oh, This wow. is going to be a joy to edit, isn't it? Where is the Pulitzer Prize <laughs>
5: committee when you need them? <laughs>
4: Anyway, so that 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 moment actually happened, and I will say, okay, uh, if we're if we're going to talk about the Oscars for just a second before you know jiving in, I am incredibly upset by what they did with. We don't talk about Bruno. That was so bad. That was so so bad. If you guys are fans of the song and happen to actually see the the recording, you'll understand like. They got Megan The Stallion to write a completely different um, lyric to the song. They had other people show up and sing other lyrics. And then at the end, you just had hyper-sexualized dancing. And normally I'm not a prude, but we're talking about a Disney movie about like a 12-year-old. And you got these like people shaking their like tushies and grabbing their, you know, parts during a kid song, it was. It
1: really felt like we were watching two different Oscar ceremonies kind of mashed together.
4: And I will say, Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer, and Regina Hall actually were really funny. I thought that. Great. I thought the bit where she, where Wanda Sykes came out with the tennis balls in the car, was so funny. Um, oh my tennis balls! But yeah, it was a it, it was it was a show. It was a show. Um, and speech was amazing. Yeah, it was uh, it was weird. It was a weird watch. So, but yeah, but maybe like, we'll d-
5: maybe we'll discuss that in further detail in an upcoming Slap Nuts episode.
4: I will just say it was a uh, it was weird, but it was a uh, you know what? Yep, Let's, I'm going to zip it because there are parts that I want to talk about this year specifically. So I'm just going to keep it for ammunition for that episode. So and when we finish the. 48 parts here is on michael jackson we will get to that yeah we're, we're getting there we're on part 15 today so almost over the hump th- the idea like the stuff that happened last week kind of happened in chronological order so you had the hyperbaric chamber you had the elephant man's bones you had three pages on bubbles the chimp uh what else did we have was that was that basically oh uh, you, you had some
5: you uh, had some some piss and match between diana ross and liz taylor
4: yes and apparently he thought the world was going to end in 1998 and all kinds of stuff Uh, so it was just he was getting that moniker of wacko jacko and he hated that and i actually remember people calling him that will didn't seem to remember that will didn't seem to remember that did you honey i did not know now maybe, maybe were you just not like a michael jackson kind of media savvy With that, because I was I was reading up a lot about him, and I'd watch specials and stuff like that. So like, I don't think I was in deep as
1: you were. I don't think I was. Also,
4: I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say a weird sentence right now, and it might make sense if you're in some place like this. You didn't have like a Ralphs or Kroger's though. You had the market basket, which really didn't doesn't peddle these salacious magazines, right? Yeah, I think the closest.
1: I'm trying to think of the closest major grocery. I mean, that was like the closest one to my house, but yeah, we didn't have those, those the other chains that you mentioned.
4: Yeah. I don't think you had like the magazine rack with the stuff that would like plaster Wacko Jacko yeah, on I, the front page. I, mean, I think we had like a stop and shop, but I don't know. Yeah. Or but a shop, that, right?
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah. So, uh, but last week we, we talked about the song bad. So this week we're actually going to be talking about the album bad. So if you've listened to the first couple of episodes of this this series of the podcast, you would know that this is also one of the top 10 highest selling albums of all time. I think we talked about in episode one, which aired before Christmas. I'm getting older by the day.
1: And now you're even older. And now you're <laughs> even older.
4: Now, we did talk about some of the stuff that led up to the actual recording of the album, and we talked about the title track. So this week, we're going to dive a little bit more into the other tracks and the impact that it had made. So it should be noted that Bad is actually the final collaboration with co-producer Quincy Jones, who had produced Off the Wall and Thriller. After Jackson had written a handful of tracks for Off the Wall and Thriller, Jones encouraged him to write more for a follow-up. Jones recalled all the turmoil in Jackson's life was starting to mount up. So I said, I thought it was time for him to make a very honest album. And Jackson wanted to move into a new musical direction with a harder edge and a fiercer sound. According to guitarist Steve Stevens, awesome name, who who was featured on Bad, Jackson asked about rock bands, including Motley Crue. Jackson began recording demos in 1983 while recording Victory with the Jacksons. He spent much of 1985 to 1987 writing and recording in his home studio in Encino, Los Angeles, uh, with a group of musicians and engineers, including Bill Bottrell, known as the B-Team. The demos were brought to Westlake Studio to be finished by the A-Team with Jones and engineer Bruce Sweden. Jones said the team would stay up for days on end when they were on a roll, (laughs) They were carrying out second engineers on stretchers, and I was smoking 180 cigarettes a day. Teammate, ext- hey,
5: wait, stop, stop. I'm sorry, 180 cigarettes a day.
4: That's a <laughs> uh, Yule Brenner level. Nine packs? <laughs> I mean, part of me thinks that's exaggeration, but part of me remembers this was like 1987.
5: I did not realize Steve Stevens played on bad. That's interesting.
4: Uh, yeah, please. Explain to our listeners who, if they don't he, know, he uh, played
5: with Robert Palmer. He played with, um, when that that brief unfortunate period when Vince Neal left Motley Crew and mounted a brief solo, um, career, he was mm-hmm. in Vince Neal's band. I actually saw him, uh, playing, uh, opening for Van Halen on the 1993 Right Here, Right Now Live tour. And there's a very funny story about, uh, him. And Vince Neil opening for uh van halen that night that i cannot share
4: um also for completely
5: inappropriate in every way
4: for my fellow cinephiles he actually did the lead guitar rift on the top gun top, uh
5: top gun yes yep he sure
4: did yeah like that i can i can do it. it's it's like i'm steve so yeah 180 cigarettes a day that is honestly i kind of believe it <laughs> i don't know if that's an exaggeration or not Jackson was eager to find innovative sounds and was interested in new musical technology. The team made extensive use of a new digital synthesizer, and I know, T, what you think of synthesizers. You hate them, right? Um,
5: For the most part, yes. There's appropriate ways to use them to supplement your sound, but uh, not make them your sound.
4: Now, okay, I have a question for you. Did you like, do you like the song Jump?
5: I, I do, yeah.
4: Okay, so that's good use of synthesizer.
5: That's that's a, that's a an okay. That's, I don't mind that one so much. I, I've always said the perfect example of use of a synthesizer is You Got Lucky by Tom Petty.
4: Okay, fair enough. So, Supplements um,
5: the sound, but never o- overwhelms and becomes, you're not a synth band. Why don't you just get up there and play a guitar, you jackass?
4: <laughs> well, I think that Michael actually used it to his advantage because it was kind of like the new technology that was happening. So he would sometimes combine synthesizers to create new sounds like they would include drums and organs and uh, guitars, bass, percussions, saxophone and washboards, digital guitars and, and all that kind of stuff. So work was disrupted in 1984 when he embarked on the Victory Tour with his brothers. Now you guys remember everything that happened on the Victory Tour, right? Like it was just mm-hmm. not good. So work had to resume after January of 1985 when their tour ended and after (laughs) Jackson had recorded what else we talked about which was We Are the World. In mid-1985 work paused again so he could prepare for the the 4D experience Captain EO which featured a song that ended up on the album Bad which was another part of me which I played when we talked about Captain EO. Okay so he got back to work in August and continued till November of 1986 when he filmed the bad music video. Then, recording resumed in January of 1987, and then the album was complete by July. So, Jackson wrote or recorded 60 songs and recorded 30, wanting to use them on a three disc set. Jones suggested that the album be cut down to a 10 track single LP. Jackson is credited for writing all but two songs. So those were Terry Britton and Graham Lyle for just good friends. And Man in the Mirror was actually written by Sade Garrett and Glenn Ballard. So let's actually talk about Man in the Mirror for just a moment. The book Moonwalk says that Michael loved that song. He thought that Man in the Mirror had a great message and that John Lynn was alive. He could really relate to the song because it says, if you want to make the world a better place, you have to work on yourself and change first. In Michael's words, it's the same thing that, that Kennedy was talking about when he asked, Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. If you want to make a world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. Start with the man in the mirror. Start with yourself. Don't be looking at other things. You gotta start with you.
5: And see now, now that you've introduced that, I'm just hearing I'm just hearing man in the mirror and the voice of a Kennedy. <laughs> I'm starting with the man in the mirror.
4: If you want to make the world a better place. You take a look then, at yourself, uh, stay and make away from a change. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Two pages in, <laughs> we have a chapter. That, that didn't take that
1: long. <laughs> I'm actually surprised it took that long.
4: <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. So uh, in 2009, Josh, I think this is his name. I'm Probably going to butcher it, I'm sorry, but it it reads like Josh Triangle from Time, named Man in the Mirror among Jackson's 10 best songs, and one of Jackson's most powerful vocals and accessible social statements, not to mention the best use ever of a gospel choir in a pop song. Fully agree. Uh, Fun fact. Fun fact. fact. Okay. Uh, Hang on, let me try that again. Are you guys ready for our first fun fact? Fun fact in 2017 shortlist day dave, dave falbert listed the song as containing one of the greatest key changes in music history is it up there with the darkness because uh i'd have to say that's a strong contender oh come on i'm not a girl not yet a woman that key change is amazing also there's a, a fabulous key change in Da Vinci's notebooks. The title of the song,
1: and in uh, what was it? Spam a lot. The diva's lament.
4: Yes. Yeah. No. 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 It's not. It's um. It's not diva's lament. It's um. It's not. It's um. The song that goes like this. It's the song that goes like this. That's the, yes. the song. There we go. Okay. <laughs> um. And I'm going to actually hand over our story time to Mister Deuce because I want him to tell the story from his point of view. About the time that I got my very first record. So T, I want to hand it over to you.
5: Ah uh, yes. So LD's first record, and again, we're talking vinyl, and she would have been seven? Seven. Seven years old. Was it wasn't a 45, but it was it was still like a single, right? It was but it was a big like a big 78 looking thing. Yeah but it was but it it was man in the mirror that was it (laughs) and and ld played man in the mirror over and over and over and over and and knew all the words and sang along with it and she and i i this is not an exaggeration she wore the record out within about two or three weeks wore was, it out
4: that was my birthday present and i think mom had to go back to the radio station and have them order another one
5: <laughs> yeah she had to go steal another one because let's just be honest order order
4: i'm trying to keep i'm trying to keep uh you know any kind of uh pretty sure the stink off
5: limitations is up on lifting uh vinyl from wgcd <laughs>
4: at this point <laughs> it is a defunct radio station right i, I don't think they're going to reopen that case yeah probably not Uh, So I think that we've actually talked about this song enough. I I will say I absolutely loved this song. This was like, this was my song. It was, it was something that I had claimed for myself. T didn't introduce it to me. I found it on my own. I saw it, you know, I I saw it on TV. I heard it on the radio and I cried about it. And mom bought it for me for my birthday. It was was like my birthday present for that year. Try to keep With any scandal off, ears. off try to keep any scandal off mom's name, okay? <laughs> but keep yeah. my mama's name out your mouth. Oh, I boy. said keep my mama's name out your mouth. <laughs> 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 I. Hey LD,
1: gotta take a quick break here. We just have to take a moment to recognize our sponsors. That sounds
4: fair. Okay, we're back. All right, back to Michael Jackson. Okay, so I think that we have talked about the song enough. So let's take a listen to it. This is Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror.
2: I want to make a change for once in my life
4: don't even care what you guys think at this point that is one of the greatest songs that was ever put to tape fight me
1: hello (laughs) i i I have nothing it's a great song
4: (laughs) it is that is honestly like it's one of his best songs in my opinion it still makes my heart just warm up and 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 Ah, it's just it's so friggin' inspirational. I just want to go out there and like throw bird seed and and, like pet kittens and oh
1: just be a good person. Now I've been hesitant to bring this up, but I I think I'll sort of provide a context that we can use for the rest of the episode. And that is, I know Thriller is the best-selling album of all time, but how good is bad?
5: I mean it stands up song for song. It does. It's it's a it's a clash right it there stands to, it goes it's toe-to-toe with thriller that I is think, a killer album i i was gonna i was gonna yeah. drop that little bombshell later and thought it would be controversial but it sounds like you might be in my uh, my corner I,
1: I i think so i think it yeah it does it does stack up it, not it, saying
5: it's better but it's it's an amazing song album. for song again yep. song
4: for song it's it stands it's, up it absolutely does stand up and honestly like this one feels more raw and real than thriller did you know like yeah. it, it's, it's almost like he's taken the culmination of what has happened to him and just started just shoving it into songs and they just come yeah. out just amazing the
5: thing, the thing about that song is you, you you mentioned the the inspirational message behind it but it delivers that without being like heavy-handed or preachy about it right you know what i mean it's and it and, it, and it's just that's an undeniably great pop song yeah. undeniably wonderful.
4: And I'm sitting here watching the music video and it's got these these beautiful slash horrific images that make you want to take action. I, and I mean it, it seems oh go ahead. I was just gonna say like you see everything that's happening in the world right now, especially like with Russia and the Ukraine and it's it's just sort of the same thing. It's just like how like these people need batteries and food and soup and blankets and is, you know, we're always talking about like, oh, what can we do to make this world a better place? It's just being a good person and helping out your other, you you know, helping out your fellow man. And that's something that's being echoed from his music, which is, you know, that song is almost 40 years old now. It's 87. So it's like 30 something. I can't do math on the fly like that. 30,000. yay somebody in our family can do math but it's not me but he's still echoing things that if we just listened to him you know maybe this world wouldn't suck so bad right now i think bad is a more timely album
1: thriller is great and i think it's very rooted in its era whereas bad i think is almost
4: goes beyond the time period
5: i still have one uh probably gonna be controversial take i'll save for a little later in our uh, bad discussion actually
4: okay fair enough now I have a quick question for you guys. Quick question. Okay. What is what is what what do you see when you look in the mirror specifically? What do you see?
5: Your face. Your
4: face. All right. Now, what is something that you can put on your face to make it look different? Makeup. Per- or maybe a mask, just like the title of the 1987 album by Manfred Fans or Earth Fans. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Whoop. Ah, there it is. Whoop. There it is.
4: Whoop.
1: There's Manfred Mann. Okay, who's gonna do it? Who's gonna do it? Should I use my rocking NPR voice?
4: Okay, okay. Let's yeah. let's let's give it a whirl. Come on,
1: <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen. Our federally mandated Manfred Mann's Earth Band reference of the podcast has been satisfied.
4: That was actually excellent. Stay tuned for All
1: Things Considered. I've been practicing. <laughs>
4: That's good. That's good. That's really good. Now I told you guys when we were talking about bad last week, that he actually sort of retreated from the public eye for about two years. So one of the most autobiographical songs on bad was leave me alone. Technically the song is actually about a relationship between a guy and a girl, but really what Michael was trying to say was people needed to give him space. Michael tried to look at fame from a lot of different perspectives since he had been in the business for so long. He had learned the way to survive is to keep as a low profile as possible, which coming from him is a little strange, knowing that he had a monkey and a hyperbaric chamber hunt and a rumor about the elephant man's bones, but you know, to each his own. Now the hardest part for Michael was not having any privacy. He recalls in his book moonwalk that they were filming thriller and Jackie Onassis came to California to discuss the book that he was writing. And he remembers seeing photographers in the trees. They were everywhere. Like, how do you live like that? Like knowing that people are hiding in the trees. It, it's crazy. You hear
1: stories of people dressing up as animals. I mean, it, it's just, it's absolutely bonkers.
4: Well, like even more, you know, a more modern take was Shia LaBeouf showing up with a bag on his head saying, I'm not famous or Kim Kardashian showing up at the Met Gala wearing the shadow suit. You know, it's a way. Me- Lady Gaga meat dress. No, that's more of a stunt. That Got was it. more. That was more of a look at me. This that was is, more uh, gross. Yeah, that was more. That was more of a waste of meat. Hey,
5: hey everybody, look at my bacon flaps.
4: Moving on. So. <laughs>
5: oh my god.
4: You know we're only on page three, right, guys? Oh, machi oh, muchy. <laughs> All right. So he really.
1: <laughs> and there it is. TJ is
4: gone. We are, We are. We are. 50 minutes in and we are <laughs> three pages in. Oh. We might have to pick this up tomorrow, T. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you're going to last. I'm good. Go ahead. Okay. So it was impossible for them to do anything without being noticed and have it being reported. So he really didn't have any privacy and couldn't do anything unless special arrangements were made for everything. And so it got so bad that people knew which movie he was seeing and In Florida, because of course it's Florida, in Florida, they printed his entire schedule in the paper, everything he did from 10 in the morning until six o'clock at night. Like, how crazy is that? That is stock. Like, okay, I know that we have talked about this before, and this might actually have to be a slap nuts because it's just going to be me just screaming into a microphone for like 45 minutes. I despise the paparazzi. I think they are the worst of humanity. Uh, I think they had a hand in killing Princess Diana, and I think they had a hand in, you know, alienating so many people, lives, and just, you know, it, it, they've wrecked so many lives. I, I don't like the paparazzi at all. And so at some point, I think he recognized that, that this was insane, and he took it in, and he took it in stride as just kind of being like, okay, this is what I have to deal with because I'm famous. One of his ways to go about avoiding the public was to wear sunglasses. But after he got his wisdom teeth pulled, the dentist gave him a surgical mask to keep the germs out of his mouth. And he loved it so much that he would wear the sunglasses and the surgical mask. And he would just have fun wearing those around, which by the way, no one would bat an eye now because this is exactly what everybody looks like during a global pandemic. He was ahead of his time. Yep. So moving on to the next song, let's talk about Dirty Diana. Uh, Dirty Diana was actually written by Michael, and that was released on April 18th, 1988, and it's the fifth single from Bad After Beat It. Dirty Diana was the second hard rock song of his solo career with lyrics about a persistent groupie. Jackson hired Billy Idol's guitarist, which we talked about before, Steve Stevens, to back him on that track. Now, I'm sure that most of you guys have heard the rumor that it was supposed to be kind of a poke at Diana Ross. You guys yep. know that? That's I've right. heard yes. Yeah, yep. uh, he denied that. And in fact, Ross started using the song as an overture at her concert shortly before appearing on stage. In an interview from the special edition of Bad Jones, later confirmed that the song lyrics were about groupies. Jackson also confirmed the same during an interview with Barbara Walters that it wasn't about Diana, Princess of Wales, even though he was told personally by the princess that was it was among one of her favorite songs. And you guys know I love Princess Die. A Dirty Diana, similar to Bad's previous singles, started with the, the top 20 and top 10 worldwide. It peaked at number one on the United States Billboard Hot 100 on July the 2nd, 1988, after nine weeks on the chart. Exited the chart after its 14th week. It stayed on the chart for 14 weeks. How long does it take to have a baby? Longer than Um,
5: that. More than that.
4: I don't know these things, like biology. Nine months. Yeah, but how many weeks is that?
5: Well, 36, but I think that pregnancy is actually a little bit beyond that.
4: I mean, whatever. It's it wasn't
5: like... like he had a baby. It's a terrible analogy, and you should move on.
4: What is, what is it, a bad joke, like G.I. Jane too? <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> My brother's drunk. I can do whatever I want. That's <laughs> fun. <laughs> now, uh, now... Chris,
5: had to, Chris had written a killer Kojak joke he had to keep in his pocket. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs>
4: <laughs> he really missed that opportunity for v for vendetta. Who uh-huh. else shaved their head during stuff? Oh, Ripley! He could have made an you Ellen aliens. Ripley. Could have made an Ellen Ripley joke
5: tonight. James Carville
4: for the full hour. <laughs> All right, let's talk about my song that ties for first on this album. On October twenty fourth, nineteen eighty eight, Michael released "Smooth Criminal" as the seventh single from his studio album, Bad. The song peaked at the number seven position on the U.S. Hot 100 oh, okay. chart.
5: Think about something real quick. How deep and good an album is that the seventh single is Smooth Criminal.
4: I'm telling you, it's, oh, that uh, album is- And also there are only 10 songs on the album. Right. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it, it hit num- the number seventh position on the Hot 100 chart, later becoming recognized as one of Jackson's signature songs. Smooth Criminal actually evolved from an earlier song written by Jackson called Al Capone, named after real-life gangster Al Capone. So actually, I want to take a sidestep and listen to that song that Smooth Criminal originated from. It's a pretty rare track that appeared on Michael Jackson's Bad 25. So this is Michael Jackson's Al Capone. And tell me what you guys think about it. We are
5: bad. Definitely sounds like right. something off the Moonwalker soundtrack. Yeah, um it is very. It's similar to Smooth Criminal, but it's not as good.
4: But yeah, it's it's very close, but it's not quite Smooth Criminal.
5: No, it's not quite as good. And musically, it's that one's a little bit repetitive. It's it's, it's just a loop of bump yeah. Minute, just over and over and over pretty much through the whole song. I mean it's not bad, but it's not it's not as uh, he he I would say smoothed out the rough edges on that for and you know when he finished it up. It made it, it smooth mo- criminal. more
4: dynamic with Smooth Criminal. Yeah. S- certainly. I yeah. Fully agree. On October thirteenth, before the official release of the single, the music video for the song premiered on M T V. TJ, do you remember watching that? Oh yeah, for sure. I Screamed. I I have very few memories of my childhood, mainly because between me and my brother, I do believe at this point we have something like 23 concussions between the uh, two of us.
5: That's a big joke, guys, Rider.
4: So most of my childhood was wiped out between the concussions and the grandma seizures. But for some reason, I actually remember uh watching Ghostbusters nine to five and literally every Michael Jackson music video. That is, that's what I remember from my childhood. And I think one time, man, that's about what, that is literally what we're about to talk about right now. So when that music video premiered, Jackson and several support dancers performed the anti-gravity lean, which would become one of Jackson's signature dance moves. Jackson asked Vincent Preston to conceive a concept for the short film. He wasn't even looking at it like a music video. He was looking at it as a short film. Uh, Patterson, Vincent Patterson, listened to the Unfinished Song. and came up with the concept of like a 1930s gangsters club. And if you're wondering who Vincent Patterson is, he was a lead dancer in the music videos for Beat It and Thriller. And he co-choreographed the Smooth Criminal video with Jackson and Jeffrey Daniel of the soul music group, Shalamar. Now, Jackson's white suit and fedora pay tribute to the Fred Astaire musical comedy called The Bandwagon. And the video was directed by, I'm gonna say Colin Chilvers. And it was shot between mid-February and April of 1987 at Culver City, California, and the back lot at Universal Studios Hollywood. And it premiered on MTV on the night of October 13th, 1988. In the video, Jackson and the other dancers perform a lean that appears to be physically impossible. They lean a full 45 degrees with their back straight and their feet flat on the floor, and they hold the pose before returning upright. The lean moves the body's center of mass further than it can support. The illusion was actually achieved for the music video using cables and harnesses. But in October of 1993, Jackson's team patented a method of performing the lean in concert using specially designed shoes that hooked into pegs that rose from the stage and a series of magnets from what I understand. But even with the shoes, the move requires a good athletic core strength to pull it off. The video won Best Music Video at the 1989 Brit Awards. And the Critics' Choice Awards gave Jackson the Best Video Award and the People's Choice Awards for Favorite Music Video for that same year. In 2019, I'm going to say a sentence right now, kids, that Mama Lindley, Mama LD is scared to say, because I don't know what happened to it afterwards, but in 2019, American television personality, Kim Kardashian bought Jackson's smooth criminal fedora, which still had his makeup on it for her daughter, Northwest.
1: The spy hat,
4: as it was called? Yes. Yep. Yep.
1: (sighs) What was the price tag on that?
4: I don't know. I didn't want to look because I don't think that Northwest is 10 yet.
1: I'm just curious to know how much it cost. I mean, just the presence of his makeup probably upped the value by,
4: you know. Oh, can we use that? Can we clone that? Can we use the sweat from that? So the style of cloning, as well as mannerisms that Jackson portrayed were reused in the numerous adaptations of the video game for Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Yes. We, we will talk about the video game. I promise I'm actually going to hand the reins over to Will the Thrill to talk about this video game when we get there, but it doesn't come wait. up until- doesn't come up for like another three years so another 16 or 17 parts so 17
5: more episodes
4: (laughs) the song serves as the background music for the club 30 stage and the nightclub scenes in the music video that appear in the game uh the video is the centerpiece of the 1988 film moonwalker which i actually own a dvd copy of but i don't think i can actually play it because they only released it in china so but i remember buying the VHS, I remember burning out our VHS copy of it. I have downloaded it several times off the internet, but it's choppy in places, like it's missing some stuff. But it's just a series of music videos. Now, I know that you guys have been with me on this crazy ride, and we really haven't, we've only really touched on like two instances with individual people that have, what's the nicest way to say this without being me, ma- brought out the crazy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a short clip from Dr. Phil. I want you guys just to hear this. It's a three minute clip of an interview with a woman. And I I want you just to hear it and then let's chat about it. Okay? So uh, like I said, this is a clip from Dr. Phil and it's called, I Believe I Am Annie.
0: I believe I am Annie from Michael Jackson's song, Smooth Criminal. Michael mentions my name 46 times in his song. About the time Michael Jackson wrote the song, Smooth Criminal, I was in an abusive relationship. On the night that I was being abused, I became Annie from Smooth Criminal. So she ran into the bedroom, she was struck down, it was her doom, and I did. I ran into the bedroom, and I was struck down. This paragraph really speaks to me because it brings back It's like it just happened yesterday. While this was happening, I saw a limousine outside the window. I believe it could have been Michael Jackson in that limousine. I know that Michael Jackson had family that lived in the area. Annie, are you okay? Why do you think he said that? Because he wanted to know if I was okay. Why would Michael Jackson put so much emphasis on my name if he didn't want me to figure it out? I've called Quincy Jones twice. I talked to some lady. I told her that I'm Annie. I'm the girl in the song. And then I heard someone in the background say, hang up the phone. There is a lot of friction between me and my daughters. They don't believe that I am Annie. And right now I'm homeless. I hang out a lot at this donut shop. How it feels to be homeless, it's not a good feeling. I've been stolen from all my life. Even my life story from Smooth Criminal was stolen from me and I didn't get anything. I want the rights to my song. I am Annie.
2: Okay, it's good to meet you. Glad to meet you. Um, so how do you know that you're Annie?
0: My grandmother gave me that name. And um, I was violently abused around the time that that song came out.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm very sorry about that, by the way, that you had to live through that. Now, Tell me about
0: the limo, because this was a key for you. I saw his, uh, I started doing some digging, and the particular limo that I saw outside is the same one that he has in storage. He has several cars. Mm -hmm. It looks Mm -hmm. very similar, too. There's thousands of limousines. I'm sorry? There's thousands, hundreds of thousands of limousines. But there's, there's, there's one thing that you don't remember and that's because you were just a little child. first of all, you, there's nothing that you could say that you even remember about any of that when all of this happened. So Michael Jackson was just
4: I don't know if Michael Phoenix.
0: Jackson was in Phoenix, or uh, if there was someone who was living in the complex, maybe who knew or heard about what had happened.
2: But you think you looked out the apartment window and <laughs> yes. saw him in the limousine down at the curb.
0: I saw the limo. I don't know if I saw him in the limo, but I did see the limo.
4: Little now, boy. and I'm going to say this, okay, before we actually get to chatting about this, a lot of people in the comments are saying that this woman isn't crazy per se, but she's dealing with trauma in her own personal way. But- It sounds like- Oh, go ahead. Uh, go, no, go ahead. I'm interested like, in-
1: It sounds like delusions of grandeur. I know like it's thrown around as a Star Wars reference, but it's the belief in something that is- it's not based in any reality but you're attaching to this greater thing to bring out sort of purpose in your own life it's a it's a form of mania and it's rooted in in delusion it's it's when it's like when people are convinced that a celebrity is in love with them or they're supposed to be with a celebrity it's like that level of delusion
4: yeah t thoughts
5: yeah yeah no i I think we'll pretty much nailed it that's uh I was going to do like a a terrible Dr. Phil impression and say something stupid. But by the time we got the end of it, I was like, "Eh, no, I'm not going to because that's that's actually kind of sad, actually.
4: Yeah, it is. It is really sad, but it's also kind of indicative of fame because people hear the song and they think, oh, this is about me. She just took it to a different level. Like she attached her name to it. And she's like, this song is mine. But people have kind of been doing this to Michael since the beginning when they're like, they want to make it their own. But you heard what she said. Like, she said, you know, I want the rights to my song. Yeah, That's, I noticed she's saying her song. Her yeah, she's saying yeah. her song. And, you know, it's it's really sad. Like, I'm sorry that that she's homeless. And I I really hope that she gets the help that she needs because it sounds like she went from a really bad situation to a really bad situation and
5: how recent i mean how how long ago was that interview on dr phil
4: the clip is from the clip was uploaded on youtube 2017
5: oh wow oh wow that's so way way after the fact yeah way i mean 30 years after the song was released
1: and his passing at that
4: yeah i mean well dr phil didn't start to like yeah. what 2000s ish so it would have been early,
5: early 2000s ish i would imagine yeah
4: somewhere on so even if she's on like an early episode it still would have had almost 20 years.
1: And I think it, again, love to hear from a professional in this arena, but I think it's actually an acute form of schizophrenia as well. There's like a, a, a tie to schizophrenia,
4: I believe. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, so, I'm always so nervous to speak on mental health because I don't, I don't ever want to offend anybody. I don't ever want to come off as cruel or mean or just uneducated so i reach out to the professionals and say like please educate us on this like what do you think yes absolutely what do you think this actually is you know um yeah, I'd, I'd hate
5: for anybody to think that uh, i'm uneducated i certainly don't uh, act like that on the bank, uh,
4: how many how many beers are you in I,
5: i'll thank you to mind your business <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right well moving on one of the most anticipated albums of its time Bad actually debuted at number one on the Billboard pop album charts, selling over mm. 2 million copies in its first week in the US. The album also reached number one in 24 other countries, including the UK, where it sold 500,000 copies in its first five days and became the country's best selling album of 1987. It was the best selling album worldwide of 1987 and 1988. Nine songs were released as official singles, and one is a promotional single. Seven charted in the top 20 on the Billboard Hot 100, including a record-breaking five number ones. I Can't Stop, I Just Can't Stop Loving You, Bad, The Way You Make Me Feel, Man in the Mirror, and Dirty Diana. By 1991, it was the best-selling album of all time, behind Thriller, having sold 25 million copies worldwide. The album was promoted with the film Moonwalker, which is uh, from the year 1988, which included music videos from the songs from the album, including Speed Demon, Leave Me Alone, Man in the Mirror, and Smooth Criminal. It it didn't have like a total through line to it, but I do love the vignette that is Claymation where he's the bunny. I love that. And I think that's the Speed Demon one. The film became the best-selling home video of all time. The bad wow. the bad tour, which was Jackson's first t- solo tour, grossed to $125 million, equivalent to more than $291 million in 2021, making Crazy. it the highest grossing solo concert tour of the 80s. And think about who was touring during this time. Yeah, he wasn't the only one. Exactly. Jackson performed 123 concerts in 15 countries to an audience of 4.4 million, including a record-setting seven sold-out shows at Wembley Stadium. It was also Jackson's last tour where he where he performed on the mainland of the USA.
1: So his batting average was nine hit singles out of 12 on the album.
4: That's just that's 10 bananas. Ten, 10 on 12. Wow.
1: 10. Oh, and one of them's Not Librarian Girl. How interesting.
4: <laughs> um it was certified 11 times platinum by the Record Industry Association of America or there ra
1: is that <laughs> the composer of game of thrones yeah or that
4: or da- <laughs>
1: no. that, that's an inside joke ld is convinced that the composer of the game of thrones theme is rougher
4: enough yep that's his name nailed it the album has been named by several publications as the greatest album of all time accurate that is a fact that is not opinion It was nominated for six Grammy Awards, winning Best Engineering Recording Non-Classical and Best Music Video for Leave Me Alone in 1988, and Jackson received the first Billboard Spotlight Award in recognition of the record-breaking chart success on the Billboard Hot 100. For his bad videos and previous videos throughout the 1980s, Jackson received the MTV Video Vanguard Award, and uh, he just made that up, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Video Vanguard was made up by Jackson. I think I mentioned this. If not, I'll throw it in the next episode because, you know, God only knows, we got like 58 episodes left. So I'll figure out a way to slide that in somewhere. To celebrate the 25th anniversary, the documentary film Bad 25 was released in 2012. A 25th anniversary album, Bad 25 2012, was also released in September of 2012. Oh, do you guys want another fun fact? Another fun fact, fun fact. Uh, does anybody know the sponsor of the Bad Tour?
5: Sponsor of the Bad Tour. Yep. Um i'm I'm gonna guess because they tried to be a sponsor of the Victory Tour and were turned down. I'll throw out uh, Quaker Oats.
4: No, you, you 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 on the right track, but no. <laughs> Wilfred yeah. Brimley and Michael Jackson together at last. I, oh God, A match made in heaven. Ugh. Oh, they're both wow. dead.
1: Oh, that was oh, wow. I'm sorry.
4: There. I know I, I, I went there and didn't realize that I got on the wrong train until two stops in. And I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, Will, do you have any ideas? Did Pepsi try to get back into the
1: scene? Because they uh, did get
4: back into the scene. They, yes. they fully made it into the scene
1: because they had money.
4: He also earned two new entries into the Guinness Book of World Record for the largest grossing tour in history and the tour with the largest attended audience. It was nominated, and I didn't even know this was like an award, but it was nominated for Tour of the Year at the inaugural International Rock Awards. Jackson made a public statement at the end of the tour that he intended it for him to be his last as a touring artist as he planned on transitioning to movie making. On June 29th, 1987, Jackson's manager Frank DeLeo announced that the singer planned to embark on his first solo world tour concert sponsored by Pepsi. The tour actually began in Japan, marking Jackson's first performance in the country since 1973 as part of the Jackson 5. The first nine scheduled concerts began on September 12th. It sold out within hours, which meant that these people had to wake up and actually go to the box office because the internet's still not a thing. Because they sold out, five more were added due to the high demand. Over 600 journalists, cameramen, and fans waited for Jackson's arrival at the Narita International Airport. And he did have his pet chimpanzee, but they had to take separate flights. (laughs) He did have his monkey on tour. He just had to take a separate plane.
1: Wait a minute. They put the monkey on a different plane?
4: Yeah, they had to take separate flights. I don't know why. Maybe they had a tiff. You know, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe Bubbles preferred the Concord. I'm not really sure. He was greeted by more than 300 people. So just the monkey had 300 people. A chartered jumbo jet was used to carry 22 truckloads of equipment, along with Jackson's entourage of 132 people for the tour. The Mm. stage set used 700 lights, 100 speakers, 40 lasers, three mirrors, and two 24 by 18 foot screens performers wore 70, that's seven zero, 70 costumes, four of which were attached with fiber optic lights. While While in Tokyo, Australian pop music critic Ian Molly Meldrum conducted an exclusive interview with Jackson and DeLeo that was featured on 60 Minutes in the United States and Australia, which by the way, I have been watching a lot of not 60 Minutes Australia, but Inside Edition from Australia. And that is bananas. They have just got some Weird stories down in Australia. A lot of squatters. I go on these weird like uh, binges on YouTube where I'll just like right now we're watching a guy from like Scotland. Nope, it's not Scotland, right? It's Ireland. He's in the UK, so we think it's. Hey, you I think can't it's...
1: remember where he is, but he's the the cow guy, right?
4: Yes, we are now watching a guy trim cow hooves on YouTube, and this Quite is compelling. our. It is super compelling, you guys please go watch it. I will post it on our socials. I want this guy to get a ton more. It's kind of like if you're into Dr. Pimple Popper, you will love watching the cow guy. He's awesome. Anyway. um, (laughs) So he was also in Tokyo. People published a cover story on Michael with the headline, Michael Jackson, he's black. He's bad. Is this guy weird or what? Uh, Cutler Durkey. I, I don't know if I'm butchering that name or if it's just uh, a weird name. I'm sorry. It was basically about the public's perception of Michael, how it had shifted from here's a really interesting guy to here's a guy I don't understand anymore. And of course, Michael had good reason to be unhappy with the story. People Magazine made him sound like a freak. And none of the stuff that they wrote about was true, in Michael Jackson's opinion on September 18th, Jackson was handed the key to Osaka Castle by Yashimi Oshima, which was the mayor of Osaka. He was accompanied by Bubbles, who was the first animal allowed inside the city's town hall. I guess that could be another fun fact. Fun fact. Another fun fact. Jackson dedicated his concerts to a young man named Yoshihaka Hagawar, a five-year-old boy who was kidnapped and murdered. And he gave around $15,000 to his parents. Attendance figures for the first 14 dates totaled a record-breaking 450,000, and then crowds of 200,000 were what past performers managed to draw for a single tour. Nippon Television was co-sponsored with Pepsi for the Japanese dates, for people who really like to know who sponsor concerts. Jackson performed five concerts in Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane, in Australia in November, and while off stage, he spent time visiting sick children at their homes in Sydney suburbs. Apparently, he did have a problem in Australia because for some reason, ticket sales were low, and I I think I'm giving you guys a little bit of a preview of the next episode. I do believe this tour is where he will meet Wade Robinson. If that name is not familiar to you, you'll become very familiar with it over the next couple of episodes. Uh, and if you want to do your homework beforehand and you have HBO, you can go watch the series called Leaving Neverland. Uh, it was very hard four hours to watch. I will say that. The foreign newspaper had launched into what you guys will remember as the Wacko Jacko moniker, and the Australian people thought that he was just a little bit too much. Michael penned a letter and asked that it be published. Here's what he wrote. This is word for word. Like the old Indian proverb says, Oh, do not judge a man until you walk two moons in his moccasins. Most people don't know me. That's why they write such things, which most is not true. I cry very often because it hurts, and I worry about the children, all my children all over the world. I live for them. If a man could say nothing against a character, but what he can prove, his story could not be written. Animals strikes not for malice, but because they want to live. It's the same for those who criticize. They desire our blood, not our pain, but I still must achieve. I must seek truth in all things. I must endure for the power of I was set forth for the world, for the children, but have mercy for I have been bleeding for a long time, MJ. That oh. letter that letter was sent to people and it was a very odd writing style. There were no margins. He didn't have any indentations, and apparently the penmanship uh, was not very clear. Now that was word for word. That is not me because like normally I do a talk to text and I'm confused about what I said, but I actually typed that out word the theory- for word. That it
1: was ghostwritten?
4: There there isn't a theory. Oh,
1: there isn't one. Okay.
4: So Frank DeLeo actually said that he wasn't even sure that he understood the letter after it was published in the magazine as a cover story. Oh, okay. A, A couple of things that I wanted to note now was that Michael was making several remarkable contributions during this time. One that he made to the UNCF, which is the United Negro College Fund in 1986, was one that was worth $1.5 million. And that donation went to establish the scholarship endowment in Jackson's name. In 1988, he made a subsequent donation by giving all of these $600,000 proceeds from a Madison Square Garden concert to that fund. The fund was created to offer financial assistance to black students attending one of UNCF's 40 member historical black colleges or universities. Since its inception, more than 500 students attending 39 member schools have received the Michael Jackson scholarship. And not only all of that, the royalties from his number one single man in the mirror were donated to camp good times, a charity for terminally ill patients in Los Angeles. But the thing is, all of these times all this time that he was doing good deeds were pretty much going unnoticed while people were highlighting his eccentricities in the press one story was that he was having a love affair with the model that, that he shared screen time with for the video for uh, the song, The Way You Make Me Feel, which was completely untrue. But the National Enquirer ran with a story that Michael saw Jesus Christ materialize from a cloud of smoke while performing on stage. a purveyor same, of truth, the National Enquirer. <laughs> that same week, another, you know, reputable magazine star printed that Michael Jackson had fallen in love with Princess Diana and wanted her to star in his next music video. Mike wanted to know where these stories were coming from and all fingers pointed to Frank. But by this time, Frank wasn't doing anything. He wasn't leaking any stories. This stuff was just on autopilot. Uh, Actually, one of his favorite stories was that Prince used ESP to drive Bubbles the Chimp crazy. And Michael, Michael is quoted as saying in the article, what kind of sicko would mess with a monkey? this is the final straw poor poor bubbles now the fact it's the final straw my, no 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 Michael didn't actually say anything close to that but he uh, people think that that was probably his favorite story up until then John you know his uh his attorney and Frank had never seen him laugh that hard so like you know, most of the stories, he could either you know, let roll off his back or, you know, he'd be slightly grumpy at, but this one I thought it was like, who thinks of this? Who goes, okay, we need to come up with a cover story. All right. Let's just mad lib it. Prince is using ESP to drive Bubbles the Chimp crazy. And Michael has words. It's like a mad lib. It really is. We've talked about it in the past, guys. I feel like we need a drum roll, Okay. Or something, future Lindley, add some something fancy about the sound effects, like do 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 like something like like the ride of the Valkyrie or whatever. Okay, make sure to cut this out. In March of nineteen eighty-eight, Michael was still on the road, but he managed to finalize the purchase of his new home. It was a two thousand seven hundred acre estate in Santa Ynez Valley called the Sycamore Ranch. Do we know what that one was called? Oh, I do. I do. I do. Oh, Okay. Okay. You in the back. Uh, the Neverland Ranch? You are correct. Woo! N-
1: now, is it technically in Los Olivos or is it outside of that?
4: I want to. Well, it says the San Ynez Valley. So the it whole could thing be in. San yeah. It's, yeah. So it's yeah. in the valley. So Los Olivos. I feel bad because we've been to Los Olivos twice Um, both times to see the gates of Neverland. But the first time I drove out there with my friend, Carrie, we killed a squirrel. That's right. You mentioned that. I'm really sorry, that squirrel. (laughs) We didn't get into Neverland and I killed a squirrel. I'm sorry, Michael, I've let you down. So originally, the property was owned by developer William Bone. Please, Travis, you've had a couple drinks. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Oh, he didn't whoa, who has spent many years and a fortune trying to build to his specification. The main house was 13,000 square feet and the asking price was 35 million furnished or 32.5 unfurnished. Michael actually toured the estate by horse-drawn carriage, which was provided by Bone. John tried to explain to Michael that from a business standpoint, The ranch was not a good investment and he felt like he needed to make a more sensible purchase, like purchasing the property that was once used as the estate on the TV show, the Beverly Hillbillies. Like He was like, yeah, you should buy that house because that's going to be a more sound investment and that won't add to making you sound weird at all. (laughs) He also suggested Michael buy the surrounding property, demolish the houses, and he could have five acres of property to do what he pleased. But five acres is not... 2,700 acres that's like so that's crazy yeah but michael couldn't understand why he would settle for five acres when he could have almost 3,000 yeah i did the conversion on this and 3,000 acres in square miles is over four miles
1: yeah it's it's a bonkers amount of property
4: it's ridiculous like i don't know how far it goes back or like if it goes like road to road But what you can't when you drive up to the gates of Neverland Ranch, you can't see anything. The thing is that there's there's like wood gates leading up to the property and then there's an automatic gate with like a little guardhouse. But that's it. Like literally you, you could hop the fence and be on the property. You'd probably be escorted off. But, but you can't see a single structure though. But you cannot, other than the guard house, you cannot see a single thing. And we rode up the road a little bit, which like parallels Neverland Ranch. And we still couldn't see a single structure. Like, I think you have to drive pretty far back to get to the main house. Probably, yeah. The headbutting went on for so long that Michael decided that John really didn't want him to have the property and that he was stalling so he would lose the deal altogether. He became super pissed and wanted that house. That's all he wanted. He actually went to another one of his attorneys at John's law firm and tried to get him to break into John's office and steal the files on Sycamore Ranch and then get to working on closing the deal. Now, of course, John's colleague didn't do that. And he actually informed John, who we could say was pretty shocked at Michael's behavior. John hoped that it, that Michael would never try to pull another stunt like that again. He was actually genuinely hurt, but eventually it showed him how irrational Michael could actually be. But let's face it, John wasn't really that shocked. Jackson did purchase the estate from Bone in March of 1988 for an unknown amount, but he actually didn't live there till 1992. Some sources indicate that the sale could have possibly been for 19.5 million, while others suggest that it was probably closer to the asking price of 32, which would be about 30 million. The property was initially purchased by a trust with Jackson's lawyer John and his accountant Marshall Gelflin as trustees for reasons of privacy. The arrangement was later rescinded by Jackson in April of 1988. He became the ultimate owner of the property. It was Jackson's home as well as his private amusement parks with numerous artistic garden statues and a petting zoo. I think he had a fully functional zoo. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Well, like we'll talk about, you know, what happens to Neverland after Because it's really, really sad, especially like the petting zoo. Like, no, they weren't killed or anything, but like, like there's nothing sadder than thinking about dismantling a petting zoo. I don't know why that just makes me really sad. The first thing that Michael did after the purchase was to change the name to Neverland Valley, although usually it's just simply called Neverland. After his purchase, he would actually stay in a condominium that he leased in Westwood that he called his hideout. Otherwise, he would stay at Neverland, but he would never stay at the Havenhurst home again, which is that the, the home owned by Catherine and Joseph. Leaving his parents' home was obviously a big deal for Michael, and he had to leave his mother, but you can imagine he was pretty happy to finally be rid of Joseph. But the weird thing is he didn't tell any of his family about his negotiations for the Neverland Valley, or did he tell them if he actually purchased it? Catherine and Joseph actually found out that Michael was leaving Havenhurst when they watched Entertainment Tonight. A few weeks later, Michael hosted a housewarming party for all of his relatives, but he did not invite Joseph or Catherine. That hurt both of us. We've seen a lot from that boy, but this is really something that we couldn't figure out. We don't know why he would be so hurtful to us, especially Kate. I couldn't understand it, Joe said. Now, a couple of the specs just for, you know, S's and G's. The property includes three railroads. There are three railroads? He has three railroads. Good God. There's a whole lot of locomotive talk. So if anybody's interested in like the train stuff, private message me on Facebook, you know, on our Rock and Roll Heaven page. I will let you know. But you have three trains at your house, you know? Yeah. I I remember being a kid and for some reason we went up to our uncle Fred's house. Who do you remember? Uncle Fred T. Oh, honey.
1: We may have lost TJ.
4: Honey. Yep. What did you guess? I said 12. What did I say? 10. I'm on page 10 and you can come look at it. No, I believe you. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, my brother falling asleep. Yeah. Has now been satisfied. It been, it's happened. It <laughs> looks like you got to do the dishes.
1: Well, I've come to them anyway.
4: Okay. Great. I win. Yay. Yay. Um, okay. Now, with all this going on, he was actually still touring and he had one particular concert that took place on July 16th, 1988, at Wembley Stadium. And that was a sold out crowd of 72,000 people, which included Diana, Princess of Wales, and Charles, Prince of Wales. Jackson originally removed Dirty Diana from that night's performances because he was worried that it would offend the princess or the royal family. However, the princess informed Jackson that it was her favorite song. In an interview, Jackson stated that he was unable to put the song into the set, which led some fans to believe that Dirty Diana was not performed on July 16th. However, leaked audios of snippets from that night proved that the song was re-added to the set list. Hmm. Now, remember that part where I said about the Video Vanguard Award that Michael Jackson just made up? Yeah. So on September 7th, he received the Video Vanguard Award at the 1980, 1988 MTV VMAs. Now, something to be said about that Video Vanguard Award is that Michael just kind of made it up. <laughs> the thing was that he was pretty miffed about Madonna being called the artist of the decade. He really didn't think very much of her. He didn't think that she could dance very well and that she couldn't sing and that she wasn't a great songwriter. But Michael went to John and said, well, if they want to make it up to me, they can just give me an award, just some kind of award that they can give me. So, so John approached MTV and they made it so, and so they created the Video Vanguard Award. So that's another fun fact right there. Fun fact right there. (laughs) <laughs> now that we've kind of run through the tour and the album, uh, I just want to talk about a little bit, a little bit about the experimental anthology film Moonwalker, which was released in October of 1988. Rather than featuring one continuous narrative, the film expresses the influence of *Phantom* innocence through a collection of short films about Michael Jackson, several of which are long-form music videos from the Bad album. The film is named after the dance technique known as the moonwalk for which Jackson was known for the film segments are meant to represent the different stages in Jackson's career and were based on his own views about he, how his fans idolized him rather than listening to the messages that he wanted to say in his music. The first segment was man in the mirror, which was a live performance. Um, It was clips from the Met center in Minneapolis, among others can be seen. It also features a montage of children in Africa, Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Jesus Christ, Kids in Graduation, and other historical figures. Retrospective is a 10-minute biographical film about Jackson covering the early years from Jackson 5 to the Bad World Tour. Badder is the third segment, and it's a parody of the music video for Bad's title song featuring children in the roles of the adults. So... The video stars Brandon Quentin Adams, who appears in the Smooth Criminal segment later in the film as young Michael Jackson, and he would later star in the People Under the Stairs movie that you actually really like. Right, Will, the thrill? I mean, it it is a Wes Craven film.
1: It does have its moments. I don't think it's aged very well, but uh, it is still a fun movie,
4: and uh, it is, again, the late Wes Craven, so I'll stand by it. Fair enough. He was also in The Mighty Ducks and The Sandlot. It also featured three of Michael Jackson's nephews and the singing group, the boys also appeared as background dancers and then speed demon. And that fourth segment begins with the batter and little Michael and his bodyguards are leaving the set and walk through a cloud of smoke and come out as their regular adult age. As he exits the set, he's spotted by tourists and they begin to chase him for autographs in an attempt to, Avoid the overzealous fans and interviews, including something that's kind of cringeworthy now, which is a camera-happy Japanese tourist accompanied by stereotypical, and this is bunny ears straight from this article, Oriental Music, the press, and even The Noid. Okay, who remembers The Noid?
1: Oh, I certainly remember The Noid.
4: Plus some gunslingers after stumbling on the film set of a Western helmed by someone resembling Steven Spielberg. You know, sort of looked like Steven Spielberg. Kind of like. Sort of, yeah. Sort of like Mortal Kombat did. (laughs) Jackson soon disguises himself as a rabbit named Spike using a, a costume from one of the film sets. So he ends up taunting the fans into chasing him once they realize it's him. Michael steals a bicycle, then turns into a motorcycle once he hits the highway in order to flee from the fans and the paparazzi, who are now in claymation form, and give chase in various other cartoonish vehicles. During a chase, he morphs into other celebrities, namely Sylvester Stallone, Tina Turner, and Pee Wee Herman, with the bike briefly morphing into a jackhammer, stop sign, water ski, and jetpack in a repeatedly unsuccessful attempt to throw off the fans. After a long chase, they finally are thwarted by crashing into a giant claymation cop and are arrested. Michael finally then manages to escape and rides off into the desert. He takes off the rabbit costume, and then it suddenly comes to life and challenges him to an extensive dance-off. Because that's what one does. How high was whoever came up with this concept?
1: All of the drugs. (laughs) Every last one of them.
4: Every last one of them. In the end, a passing cop interrupts Michael to point out that he is in a no-dancing zone. And when Michael turns to show him that he was competing with the rabbit, the rabbit has disappeared, and the cop sarcastically asks for Michael's autograph as opposed to signature on the ticket. Just as Michael is prepared to leave, the rabbit's head materializes on a nearby rocky crag, then nods to him and smiles. Huh. I don't know anymore. <laughs> and then Leave Me Alone, like literally this just said the fifth segment is a surreal animated music video for the song Leave Me Alone. Didn't we just watch that with the rabbit? Uh, something like that, yeah. And this one, it's, it's actually really in, it's very cool stylistically as a music video because it's, it really focuses on like supermarket tabloids in his personal life Hmm. and he's in like um like almost like a world war one propeller plane okay and but but kind of like an amusement park ride and it's meant to point out in a mocking tone the way that tabloids unnecessarily sensationalized his life with claims like he had a shrine to elizabeth taylor and like bought the elephant man's bones and stuff like that i do suggest like watching that music video it's really interesting and then we have We have Smooth Criminal, and we've talked about that a lot. So th- there's a whole backstory with the character of Mr. Big, who's played by Joe Pesci. Yeah. Basically, Smooth Criminal begins with three homeless kids, which is Shane, Katie, and Zeke. And I do believe that the Shane is not Shane, Sean. <laughs> It's Sean, Katie, and Zeke. And I do believe that the Sean is actually Sean Lennon. Is it really? I do believe so. I'm going to have to double check that. But for some reason, I feel like that's right. So uh, you got these three homeless kids, and they're sneaking through the city to see their friend Michael going out for the evening. Michael stands in front of a door. He notices the falling star before he is ambushed by armed gunmen with machine guns. The film backtracks to show Michael and the children playing in a meadow in happier times. As they're playing... Their dog Skipper runs away as Michael and Katie look for him. They uncover the layer of Mr. Big, whose real name is Frankie Ladio. Of course, it's supposed to be Frank DeLeo. Leo. Uh, right. He is a drug dealer and a mobster with an army of henchmen, and he wants to get the entire population of Earth addicted to drugs, starting with children. As Mr. Big continues to work on his operation, he discovers that Michael and Katie are spying on his operation. The story returns to the ambush in front of Michael's apartment. Unknown to the gangster, Michael wishes upon the falling star and escapes the gunfire, leaving only his jacket. Upon realizing that he has escaped again, Big orders his henchmen to track down Michael with dogs. He is eventually cornered in an alley where he wishes upon another falling star and turns into a sports car that mows down several of Mr. Big's henchmen. Michael is pursued down the streets till he loses the henchmen. Meanwhile, the children scout out the Club 30s, the, where Michael has told them to meet him, and they only find an abandoned nightclub. When Michael arrives, Katie sees a silhouette of him turning back from a car into himself. The door of the club opens up with a gust of wind, and Michael finds it filled with zoot suits and swing dancers. The children gather outside of a window and watch Michael dance to Smooth Criminal. Mr. Big lays siege to the club and kidnaps Katie. Michael follows them back to Big's lair and ends up surrounded by his henchmen. Mr. Big appears and taunts Michael by threatening to inject Katie with a highly addictive narcotic. While Katie manages to wriggle free, Mr. Big decides that he has enough and orders his men to kill Katie before finishing off Michael. But not before the falling star flies by and Michael transforms into a giant robot and kills all of Mr. Big's soldiers then turns into a big spaceship. Mr. Big gets into a large hillside-mounted energy cannon, firing on the spaceship, knocking it into a nearby ravine. The children are the next target, but the starship returns from the ravine in time to fire a beam in the cannon with Mr. Big inside. The children watch the ship fly into the night sky with a shower of light.
1: And there you have it, folks.
4: Nope, there are still two more. (laughs) Oh, wait, there's more. In the conclusion of Smooth Criminal, which is come together, Sean, Katie, and Zeke return to the city, believing that Michael's gone forever. The boys talk about Michael. Katie walks away crying as she clutches a paper star. She sits on a corner wishing for him to come back. The paper star flies out of her hand, and Michael walks out of the night fog. He takes them back to Club 30, where they find that the club has turned into the backstage area of a concert. Michael's stage crew return the children's missing dog, then escort Michael onto the stage where he performs a cover of the Beatles song, Come Together, with the children watching and cheering him on from backstage, and then they have the closing credits. During the closing credits, two more segments are shown. The first has... Lady Smith Black Mambos playing The Moon Is Walking in the Club 30s amidst a series of behind-the-scenes clips. And the second is a selection of slowed-down and sped-up clips from the Smooth Criminal segment, which also uses alternative music to the song. And that's where it ends. So, So during all these releases and everything, he's actually still touring, and he is still touring. His final date of the Bad Tour was at the end of January 1989. At the sports arena in Los Angeles, Diana Ross, Elizabeth Taylor, Dionne, were some of the celebrities that were in attendance that night, along with Catherine and Janet. Michael dedicated his Motown medley to Barry Gordy, who was sitting in the audience. 4.5 million people had paid to see Michael since the beginning of the tour in September of eighty-seven over a year and a half he had performed 123 concerts in 15 countries on four continents the shows weekly expenses had been between 500,000 and 650,000 but the tour did gross over 125 million at the box office now it hadn't been all work and no play and he would take his time to see the sights. One funny thing that he would do during his tour nights is that he would actually go to a toy store and buy 10 of this toy and 10 of this other toy, and then he would stay up all night putting batteries in the toys and making certain each one of them worked so he could be ready to give them to kids backstage the next day. How sweet is that?
1: I mean, he really cared. That's the thing is he really did care. All the stuff about, uh, for the children, He he, he did.
4: I and mean, what other artist would like go to a toy store, probably shutting the entire toy store toy store down and just being like that, 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 that. And then I need all your battery packs. And then he would do that himself. Like he would put the batteries in the toys himself and then just oh, yeah. hand them out to kids backstage. That's freaking awesome. That's so sweet. All right. And it's on that really sweet, kind of cheerful note that I wanted to end this episode on. Because the next episode, we are gonna get into something very dark, um, something very scary. And I, I want to caution our audience. Uh, there will be a a warning on the episode beforehand, but I will offer this up. We do get into some very dark territory in the next episode. Listener discretion is gonna be advised on that one, guys. There's gonna be a lot of things that might be triggering to people, and of course, we always want to take care of our listeners, so I I do think that we should just end on this happy note right there. Um, I I know my brother fell asleep. Yep. But uh, do you have any passing thoughts, hon?
1: Ah, I think I'll end this the way TJ would want to end it and say bye, everybody. Well, I got to do all the socials and stuff. I mean, uh, not yet. Uh, <laughs> do you have any? <laughs> we're going to hold that thought. Uh, I kind of brought up my point before, which is I, I do believe the bad album is at least on equal footing of the Thriller album. Um, you know, I, I think it's the one I actually know the best simply because of when I grew up and when I heard the album at first. So beyond that, uh, based on what you're saying, I know we are getting into some dark days ahead. So I think we have to enjoy the the bright spots while they last
4: yeah absolutely i fully agree uh hey travis tj 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 Nah, not gonna happen wake up wake up this is your fairy godmother well he had a thought about the thing <laughs> Yes, yeah. yeah, so we'll have to
1: wait till next episode
4: yeah um <laughs> so since my brother fell asleep i guess we're gonna have to ask his opinion that he thought might be controversial on the next episode so we have that to look forward to but um if you guys are liking our stuff and you would like to make a donation into our tip jar, you can do so at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. You can check out our Twitter at rock and roll LT. Our Instagram is rock and roll heaven LT. Facebook rock and roll heaven pod. Come on, visit us over there guys. We are having a blast over there. It's so oh, much yeah. fun. Um, still not saying our website. And we do have a TikTok. There's a lot of stuff on there now. It's uh, basically if you like the fun facts that we give right now, that's pretty much what we're populating it with but we'd love to have some interaction. We'd really, really love to break that uh, 24 subscriber mark. We'd like to get 25 subscribers. If we can do that, we'll feel really Great. good. We'll feel good about ourselves. Um, you can email us too at rockandrollheavenlt at gmail.com. And please make sure to check out all the other awesome podcasts at pandeonpodcast.com. And from that, I say, Mr. Hickey, would you would you like to say anything to our audience?
1: uh thanks again for coming along for the ride and i guess uh i'll do the dishes now (laughs) (laughs) yep i'm sorry we had 15 uh, pages (laughs) i will formally request that our realtor only give us tours of property on uh horse and carriage so
4: uh yeah call sammy (laughs) that's gotta happen (laughs) yes i i I understand that it is in a school zone but i need two two horses i need a horse-drawn carriage if you're not going to show us houses in a horse-drawn carriage sammy how do we know that you're serious about selling us a house? <laughs> so tonight I'm going to end this episode on what I would consider one of my, I, I said it earlier in the episode, I consider this a tie on this album for my favorite song, other than Man in the Mirror. It's Man in the Mirror, which we listened to earlier. So I'm going to wrap up this episode with my other favorite song off of the Bad Album. And this is, of course smooth criminal. Love you guys. Talk to you next week. Be good to each other. Bye.